It takes more than finding the issue on an open source project that perfectly describes your problem, reading through it all and uncovering a message that you wrote years ago that just says plus one to be a great software engineer. <laughs> this is episode 327 of the Soft Skills Engineering Podcast. I'm your host, Jameson Dance. I'm your host, Dave Smith. Soft Skills Engineering is a weekly advice show for all of the non-technical things that go into the technical field of software development. Like being able to look back on your previous open source comments and realize you've grown as a person and now you would contribute a reproducible example. Right. <laughs> instead of a plus or, one. <laughs> or to realize you still have the same problem and it's still unresolved. Yeah. So it, funny. it hurts. <laughs> <laughs> that feeling of elation and hope and then the the sinking of oh no <laughs> i've been here before yeah <laughs> yeah then you wonder am i in a time loop and how many times have i done this i wonder do i just i wonder if i've ever had the success case of i came back to it and this time this time it's solved because i can't think of any <laughs> yeah. but maybe it's no. just because that's less fun to think about well, probably if it's solved, you wouldn't come back to it. So you kind of have a survivorship bias problem. Yeah. But no but like one that was solved between when I last looked at it and when I looked again. Yeah. I, I only move forward. I never look back. So no need to, well, know what I did. <laughs> I don't know. All right. We better talk about our patrons. <laughs> All right. Let me thank the folks that are contributing at the level on Patreon where we say their name or an emoji or an unpronounceable name in Wales of a city every single week. They are Noah Frazier Logue, Kent C. Dodds, Theodore Savin, Memester Josh, Jenny Kim, Owen Chartle, Craig Motlin, I Love Mavis, The Stochastic Parrot, Alice Jost, No Cheating, Lanfuer, Puil Gwen, Rundlo Mwelenjish, Go Go Go, Koshockton, Ohio, Patron.com.au, We're Hiring, Ira Chan, Monkey Face Emoji, Jonathan King, Testing is Documenting.org, Ola Dapafari, Will Angel, Clean Foot Emoji, Rangar, Nick Hathaway, Travis Sanders, Braden Keynes, John Grant, Cody Sell, Nick Cantor, and Philip John Basile. If you'd like to join this illustrious group of generous donors, go to softskills.audio and click the support us on Patreon button. And any donation amount above zero will get you access to our Slack community. Invites go out the first week of every month. And boy, are we excited to send them. Pressing that button is a, is a highlight. I want to thank our sponsor, Hired. This episode is sponsored by Hired, which is the best way to quit your job and get a new one. And you will hear more about them later on in the show. Dave, would you like to read our first question? I would like to. Here it goes. It says, I have recently joined a team as a fully remote member with majority of my teammates located in one city and meet in office every week. My manager wants me to work on earn trust and drive consensus to keep me in track for promotion. Being remote, I am unable to get through to my teammates effectively when compared to my previous work settings where it was all on site. Any tips for me? Hmm. This feels like a question from the before times, doesn't it? It's fresh though. Yeah. I looked I looked at the spreadsheet. The before times where offices exist with people that go in person to work. Yeah. I mean the only clue that this doesn't actually Oh, actually it says meet in off I was gonna say the only clue here is they only meet once a week, but I think I misread that. They meet they meet in the city every week in an office. Maybe that does that mean oh. weekly, you think? Or or every yeah, day? Maybe. I mean, the fact of the matter is you've got a group of people here who see each other regularly in person and you're not one of them. Yeah. That's hard. I have a delightful coworker who every time anything remote related comes up, says the words telepresence robots as the solution to any problem. <laughs> it's sort of tongue in cheek, but sort of not. <laughs> they just want to see one of the robots in person. 
right? Yeah. So I, I'm I'm going to say telepresence robots. Perfect. Are these the robots that are they're about the height of a human and they're on wheels and they roll around with a screen on the front and a camera, and you can control them yeah. from your home? Yeah, and it's it's just like real life. Yeah, sort of. It's just like real life if there's a little bit of lag and everything's in two dimensions and you have no peripheral vision. You can't make <laughs> eye contact. And it's really funny for people to push you down and they feel no <laughs> sense of remorse if your yeah. physical being is is harmed. Right. In fact, in fact, I think it's funny and it sounds like middle school now. <laughs> uh, I don't know any company that uses those things, but I have seen one presentation delivered on a stage like that but i don't even know what was it a joke no it was uh well i won't mention who it was or what the topic was just because it might be controversial but let's just say the person was um uh fleeing from his government (laughs) and hiding in another country ah (laughs) okay (laughs) telepresence was uh the only option that didn't involve federal prison (laughs) so i still feel like just like a a big face on a screen is like just project the video if it's at a conference yeah i know right makes it feel gimmicky i think that was the point oh attracting an audience with a novelty well it worked you remember it i know just like you (laughs) remember all of their message (laughs) you you totally remember the content completely yeah i think the content was yeah like just to summarize because i do remember every detail but i'll just summarize for brevity here which was i'm a telepresence robot (laughs) <laughs> we look at me i'm a robot right <laughs> it was a, a great 45 minute exploration <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> it was very articulate deep memorable yeah <laughs> okay i have i i have an idea which is you need to sabotage the in-person experience so that they all work remote in person. Uh, I feel like the the often earnest advice for this is try really hard. It kind of sucks. Or the whole team has to work like the remote. So everyone's on video, even if they're in the same office and everyone writes over. This is like the, the least common denominator. Yeah. Yeah. It turns out it's it's really hard to make people that sit by each other not talk about stuff (laughs) yeah (laughs) and like only type unless you foster an environment of extreme distrust of the spoken word okay and so uh, i i think the way you need to do this is some kind of like signal processing that that like garbles (laughs) i'm thinking of like a tower of babel type thing where you, you you try and explain something out loud to your coworker, and it just comes across as Look at me, I'm a telepresence robot or whatever. <laughs> so it's like an active noise cancellation system that just it can it it generates destructively interfering audio waves to cancel out what you're yeah. saying and then replaces it with nonsense unless you're staring at yeah. a computer screen with zoom as the foreground window. Yeah, where it, it well that's the thing, the microphone on the computer would would have to be able to cancel this out. Ah, and then yes pick up the original message right of course so it is it is a symmetric encryption of sorts yeah and this would be really fun to work on actually (laughs) yeah someone probably has done this in their phd somewhere yeah so when when you said sabotage the in-person experience 
I really thought you were going to go in a different direction. Maybe one of two ways. Either pandemic part two, you know, send everyone home again, or mm. fart spray. Okay. I did think about the the smell thing, the make it unpleasant to be around each other in person thing. I wonder, okay, I wonder if the group norm would shift though, right? Where like, that's the good smell. Oh, we, we all <laughs> smell this all the time and it, it's like, ew, you don't smell like fart spray? You must be right. a member of the <laughs> this out This is the group. smell of teamwork and cooperation and great <laughs> relationships. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, this, it's just the pheromones yeah. of creativity. This is, what, this is what wonderful working <laughs> relationships smell like. Ah. Yeah. Just soak it up. I didn't think about the pandemic part two. Yeah, there's some, some externalities to that. Yeah, yeah. If you are successful. But, but worth it. <laughs> a, a bit of a monkey's paw situation <laughs> clearly death and suffering so that you can have a good remote experience uh, it's the right trade-off you wish that your co-workers didn't go to the office <laughs> do you another finger on the monkey's paw <laughs> it is it is challenging to be the only remote person and i know i've had a couple of people on teams pre-pandemic you know before remote work was very common and i kind of just figured <laughs> I hate to even say this out loud, but I think that you're going to have just, man, I don't want to say this. <laughs> I'm kind of, I'm a little bit cynical on it. It's like, if you're going to work in an environment where you're the only remote member of a team, you're going to have to put up with some frustration because the alternative is just constant fighting of human nature. That's just not going to change. And, and so you're either going to have to be patient with that and just deal with some of the discomfort of being only the only remote person or find a different a different way to work. I, I, that's, I'm kind of cynical on it. Help, Jameson, help me escape from my cynicism. No, I, I think that is correct. And it, it, it kind of makes sense as a trade-off. Assuming that you would like to work remotely, this is a deliberate decision and it feels like a benefit to you, that's one of the trade-offs that you're making is... is you you trade the ability to I'm trying to think of the best part of remote never wear pants again right to, <laughs> for for the like close knit in touch yeah. with everything that's going on like real time collaboration yeah no, and i think the way to reduce that the negative side of that trade off is to find a team that's all remote i mean that that really helps cuz to me it's the imbalance that really makes it intolerable yeah, I've I've never seen it not be a pain for the person who's left out remote. Me too. Even people who are very outspoken, gregarious, and social, and willing to go to great lengths to be heard, even they are, I think, a little bit frustrated. You know, I yeah. heard one one person who I know who did remote work as the only remote developer for years before the pandemic, probably at least five years, and a couple, maybe three of those years were on my team specifically, told me, Look, when there's team meetings going on and I'm the only remote one, I just don't I just kind of have to sit there and I can usually multitask and if I hear my name I'll I'll start paying attention, but I just can't I can't follow meetings like that. Yeah. I the question asker is asking specifically about earning trust and driving consensus. There's I think there's some amount of one-on-one -on -one time you yes. could spend where you can create that remote environment with just one other person if you're meeting with them on on video calls or whatever because you're not competing with the in-person stuff happening then. So maybe lean on that if you're trying to 
drive consensus yeah. and earn trust. You you present stuff to them in feedback or ask ask them for feedback uh-huh. in real time. Or I agree with that. I think I think one on ones are a great idea. You probably need to be more deliberate about it if you're the only remote team member, because one on one interactions happen organically and without any extra effort in an office environment. So yeah, set them up, put them on the calendar, yeah. make them happen with probably every member of your team on a regular basis that could be every two weeks or every week probably not every week that's a lot but make sure you have time with each person to build trust so they know you're a human being and not just a a wall of pixels on a little screen in the corner that no one can hear or see <laughs> you might also take yeah. those one that one-on-one time and maybe you, you should uh, embrace a little pair programming opportunity because remote pair programming can be pretty good in fact it's one of those things that might actually be better remote than in person because you both have a keyboard and a mouse um you know, as opposed to one person kind of shoulder surfing and the other one driving. I find it much less exhausting because I can zone out mm, a you, little bit, <laughs> which is maybe maybe hurts its effectiveness, but I like to zone out. <laughs> Don't we all? <laughs> what? What? Yeah, come on. I just like a little, little zone out time. The other thing I can say is that when it comes to building consensus, actually the most effective way I have found to build consensus whether in person or remote, works in both scenarios, which is writing. And so if you, if you have ideas that you're trying to get the team to rally around, write those ideas in clear, crisp ways in document form. And you can do that remotely just as well as you can in person and then gather the team to review these ideas, let them read the document, and then come to consensus that way. Honestly, the best way to get consensus is to have the most crisply communicated ideas because if people can't... Con- form consensus around an idea that's foggy or unclear. And so remote work rewards writers and everyone knows that. And so you're going to have to probably double down on that skill set. That's interesting. I think you're right in, in the power of writing to form consensus, but if they're the odd person out on a, on an in-person team, I, I wonder if there isn't a culture of reading these documents right yeah. now, like no one else is writing them. They kind of have this real time stand in front of a whiteboard and draw stuff, design discussion, right. uh, and then go build the be. thing. So, so it still might be a bit of a of a jolt to say, "I've prepared this document. Please read it and give right. me feedback." It could be. I I love working that way. I, I, well, my preference is a mix where where I have time to go off and think and write. And I also have time to bounce stuff off people in real time. And and I feel like the quality of the idea is so much better if, if I it agree. gets written up. I agree. It's probably something you need to inculcate in this team anyway, even if you weren't all remote. Can't have a writing culture without a reading culture. Ooh, that feels like a like a proverb. I tweeted it a while ago. Oh, you did? It's my way of trying to insert it into the lexicon. Did you make lexicon, that up or did you... Or discover that someone yeah. <laughs> else said this. I don't know. I either made it up or copied it without knowing. I'm going to Google it. From someone. Is this like my deadstimate idea? I haven't I haven't talked about yeah. that in a while. Make it happen. Deadstimate. Make it a new tech jargon. Well, when I Google that phrase, I don't find it. All right. I also can't find your tweet. So better... we're going to have to link that. Oh, no. <laughs> okay. Let me find it, and then I better write a blog post that is just the title and Perfect. Then a link to the tweet so I get that sweet, sweet juice. Love the juice. 
I should do that later. We're <laughs> kind of in the middle of something right now, though. <laughs> listen, get, listen, audience, can you just excuse me for the next uh, four or five hours while we record me writing a, a blog post? Yeah. Have we answered the question? I think so. Good luck. Good luck. Hey, Jameson, have you heard about the Great Resignation? Is it that Charles Dickens book? <laughs> Wait, no. The entire population on Earth has started taking our advice of quit your job. Oh, yes, that's right. Apparently, we have achieved influencer status. We've been telling developers for years to quit their jobs, and now we want to tell you how to do it. We're ready to reveal the secret. I mean, you don't just walk out shooting finger guns. <laughs> yes, well, you do that first. But after you do that, there's a new service we want to tell you about called Hired. What is Hired, Dave? Hired is the biggest AI-driven marketplace that matches engineers with companies. It is a great way to find your next job. I've been watching this industry for 20 years with a keen interest on hiring in particular, and I've never seen anything like Hired. Tell me about what you're seeing. So I've interviewed about 150 people in the last year, and I am serious. Every candidate that's come to me through Hired has multiple offers, and they're incredibly high, scary high, like 30% higher than other candidates. Is that before or after the finger guns? <laughs> yeah. Uh, both. <laughs> the beauty is it's totally free for engineers, uh, and we would love for you to go try it. Go to hired.com slash soft skills to check it out. Hired.com slash soft skills. Quit your job the best way and check out Hired. Should I read our next one? Let's go for it. This is from an anonymous listener who says, Hi, Jameson and Dave. I'm a longtime listener, and I really enjoy the podcast. I have a small question for you two. My coworker recently asked for my opinion on how to write some code and then implement it a different way. They knew I wasn't a fan of their implementation and even went out of their way to not get it reviewed by me. Ooh. Now we're left with this shared code that stinks. Their code works, but it's clunkier than it should be and it's bothering me. Should I fix it when they're on leave and disguise it as a refactoring that, quote, needed to be done? Or should I leave it alone and try and learn some lesson from this? The other option is to quit my job, but other than this small hiccup, it's been going okay here. Hmm. Hmm. Yes, the choice of... of I, I love this question because <laughs> the three choices presented are rewrite it for them while they're gone, or do nothing, or quit your job. <laughs> I feel like there's a fourth choice. There's a little... There's a little gap... Oh, a little fourth choice shaped hole here. Yeah. <laughs> okay, what is it? <laughs> what have you talked to them? Hmm. What have you said something? What if you? What have I don't you know, James. It, it seems kind of weird. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely uncomfortable. <laughs> but oh man, even though quitting your job seems more comfortable than this, I promise it's not. <laughs> I promise quitting your job is more work than than saying, hey, I would like to rewrite this code. How do you feel about that? And then dealing with it if they say, I feel I would feel real bad about that. Yeah. Hmm. Clunkier than it should be, and it's bothering me. Should I fix it? Okay. I think I feel like I can predict a Dave-shaped suggestion to this question, which is try to figure out the cost of the code in its current form, and if you can somehow quantify how how much it is costing <laughs> to have it written this way instead of the other way. Okay. Like, is it, I don't know, is it slower? Is it harder to maintain? Do you see more bugs when you're working in it? 
Because then you can you, you don't have to say, I think the way you did it is uncouth, but instead can say, I think we need to solve this problem. We are we are paying this cost that we will get rid of by rewriting it. Yes. It feels less personal. So you're saying come up with an objective reason why you can destroy the code. Yes. Which is tricky if the reason to destroy it is like it looks funny to me, you know. So that might, I mean, that might be the reason. It might just be a, a taste thing, and then that won't work very well. Uh, I mean, then the cost could be, I will quit my job if I don't get to rewrite this code. So choose this yeah, code exactly. or me. Exactly. It's like, hmm. Ultimatums. <laughs> yeah, I mean, here's the thing. Like, to me, your coworker came to you, asked you how to write this code. You gave advice. They went and did it a totally different way. They probably had a reason for that, and it would probably be good for you to know what that reason was. Otherwise, this is probably going to happen again. So I, I'm, I'm with you, Jameson. Like, it would be good to know why they did it. Now I'm trying to think of a way. How could you ask someone why they didn't take your advice without sounding like you're criticizing them for not taking your advice? Yeah. I don't know. I don't either. You could try and sneakily disguise it as a team-wide concern, have a whole big meeting about code review etiquette and process and stuff to avoid asking this person, hey, why didn't you take my advice? I feel like it was better than the way you did it. Which <laughs> I think happens a lot, honestly. I feel like there's a lot of like broad yeah. team-level conversations to avoid awkward one-on-one -on -one conversations. It was kind of unfortunate because it's a really expensive way to not, say, not ask <laughs> a simple is. question. Yeah. yeah, it's expensive to have everyone else sit and think, I thought we agreed on, like, I didn't even know this was a problem. I don't know. I, I, I mean... Maybe, why is it bothering you? Maybe you should be able to answer that question to yourself. Well, it's not mine. That's the obvious answer. <laughs> yeah, because just like you want to be able to ask the other person why they didn't implement it the way you suggested, I feel like you should have, at least for your own enlightenment some idea of why it matters to you that it be implemented the way you suggested and and yeah is it is it because i like it better and if so then that might be a there, there might be some practical concrete things you could pull out of this that that are just gut level right now where it feels bad in some way but maybe if you think about it more you can articulate oh it will avoid this problem and and then you can um, recommend that more clearly or maybe you will recognize that hey I, I I have this preference for this certain style that just so happens to be the way I write it and learning that about yourself would be valuable because nobody else will have that preference <laughs> yeah I feel like I feel like I've I've seen this happen a lot lately with myself of, of like I have some reaction to a thing and part of how do I describe this at a meta level part of me is trying to figure out is, is the thing that happened good or bad and what should we do about it? And the other part of me is trying to figure out, is my reaction to the th way the thing played out good or bad and what should I do about it? And there's probably yet another level where is the fact that I'm thinking meta about this reaction good or bad and what should I do about that? And then on and on forever. <laughs> yeah, where does it I end? I haven't gotten, I've only gotten to one level of abstraction so far uh, okay. above the thing. There's probably no more than that. 
everybody knows there's only one of things. <laughs> there couldn't possibly be more. Yeah. Let's see. Is there a point to that besides me talking about, besides me saying words? I don't know. I feel like I'm, I'm, I'm uncovering some stuff about myself. Right, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> listen, you all can listen to this if you want. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you're, you're essentially, okay, let me, let me summarize. Let me do what I do best. And rather than have original ideas, let me just summarize your original ideas. <laughs> I think you're saying... I, I can't wait for the one word you will say <laughs> to describe this thing I'm stumbling around. I think you're saying that you want to understand your motives so that you can ensure they are healthy and productive. You did it. Yeah. <laughs> I think you're right. Yeah. I, like I have, sometimes I have this reaction and it, it isn't always right. And it isn't always even in like the right direction. So if I can figure out how can I react, like in this example, it would be, how can I? Interesting question. No. What? <laughs> Go away, Siri. Siri. <laughs> have you been listening this whole we time? A... <laughs> <laughs> we just hit a new low. <laughs> <laughs> or we now get to claim that Siri is an avid fan of our podcast. Clearly. Uh, I forgot what I was saying. I don't know. Okay. <laughs> yeah, probably quit your job. <laughs> <laughs> yes, finally. <laughs> we had to wait so long to hear that, but I think you're right. Just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> oh, no, I my think, goodness. Yeah, I think you should talk to them about it. Yeah, I mean, look, if this is a conflict, and you need to learn how to deal with conflict. And the conflict here is simple. It's, you can do this without hurting anyone's feelings. And the, the kinds of words you can say are, hey, look, you know, I'm not going to rewrite this code. I'm not upset with it. But I, I do want to understand your motives here so I can see if there's some opportunity for me to learn something. Tell me a little bit about what led you to go a different, different direction here so I can understand it. Come to it. Come to the conversation from a place of seeking understanding and curiosity and state it explicitly. And I think you'll have a great conversation and you might be surprised to learn why. Well, in, in my experience, when people do things you don't expect, they usually have good reasons for it. And sometimes they can articulate those reasons, sometimes they can't, but it's very rarely do they say things, they're just like, I don't know, I just just did it, I rolled the die. And, they, and very rarely do they also say, I just did it to make you mad, you know? And there probably is a legitimate <laughs> reason. And so, yeah. and maybe you could figure it out if you're, if you're really clever and you can ask the question honestly, hey, assuming this person is rational, what must be true in order for them to have done this? But you probably can't. You Ooh. probably just need to ask them. <laughs> it's so hard to figure that yeah. stuff out. <laughs> I love that question. That feels a, a, like it overlaps a lot with kind of reliability and incident investigation and, and this idea that something went wrong, but the the people acting in, in the situation were doing what seemed correct to them at the time, no one's going to deliberately say, I hereby press this button to cause an AWS outage. Yeah. I also like how you made it about yourself, right? You're trying to learn how you could do better. It's not, which I guess is true to some extent. You can't, you can't change or control them. You can only change yourself. That's right. And frankly, that's the only good idea here. Like that rewriting their code is not going to accomplish a lot. <laughs> whoa, whoa, if, whoa, whoa, whoa. Whoa, 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 whoa. The only good idea, Dave? What about Well, if someone the only good idea oh, is usually the other the one ideas. You had. 
So oh, I don't okay. know. I just like it was just, just default. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'll I'll accept it. Okay, <laughs> Whew, I really I backed up a lot of that one. <laughs> the uh, <laughs> but like seriously, I'm, I'm I am not going to recommend that you go rewrite this person's code while they're on vacation. Like that's just that's crazy. You're going to take a, an already existing conflict and just ten exit on the intensity scale. So. I don't know. Yeah. And and probably the code isn't that bad. Like it's it's working code, which is like the best kind of code. You know? Yeah. Whether or not it's as beautiful as you think it could be. And it'll probably never get read ever again until something goes wrong with it and then it'll have to be rewritten eventually or thrown away. What if okay, I'm gonna have one more argument for for why it might be useful to rewrite. What if it's not load bearing yet? You mentioned that it'll probably never get read again and it's it, it's working code what if now is the chance to change the interface and then it's going to be in production and it, it'll it'll ossify and it'll be hard yeah. to change later? I mean, that, is there some that's possible. urgency of, of like, if not now, then never? Well, I am I made that statement under the assumption that this code is, is meeting all of the requirements that you're aware of for now, including under load. So if you have a, a, a convincing reason why it's not going to work under load... Oh, I guess by load-bearing, I mean... Not necessarily high levels of traffic, mm-hmm. more more like it's it's acting in the system, like it is doing mm-hmm. stuff. It cannot be removed without breaking yeah. things, that I kind see. of stuff. Yeah. So I mean, code removal is like last resort, but yeah, and and it does become harder to change code that's in active use, right? The stakes are higher. The risk is higher. Yeah. And that's why what you okay. So here's okay. Here's my final answer. Then let's assume <laughs> that this code doesn't have any kind of automated unit test coverage. So you go in there and you write unit tests, and then along with your unit test commit, you completely rewrite the code because hey, I had to refactor it to make it testable. Problem solved. Mm. And do it while they're on vacation, just so they can't okay. retaliate and or minus one your PR. Yes, to cover all the bases. <laughs> okay. There's a solution in here, and I'll leave it to you, listener. Yeah, to really, which one out. is the good one? And we can't be held responsible. Yeah. Look, we're we're a very high recall, low precision podcast, meaning guaranteed that we will have all the answers represented. But which ones are the right ones? I don't know. It's the image recognition <laughs> algorithm that recognizes every image as a dog. It's like a hundred percent recall for all dog images will be recognized as dog images. That's our whole podcast. Yes. Yes. I heard 100% and that sounds good to me. I, I think we're done. All right. <laughs> Dave, what can people do if they would like to have their own questions answered? Go to softskills.audio and click the ask a question button. We thank you so much to each of you who do that every week. We love, love reading your questions. And I love listening to Jameson's answers of your questions. Oh, thank you. I love talking to you and listening to you. So I love it more oh, than you Why love it. Why does it always have to be a competition? I loved two <laughs> things. <laughs> Thank you so much. We'll catch you next week. <laughs>